Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory. I had to deliver a couple of lambs just before the program, and so I had my arm and a sheep up beyond my elbow trying to turn somebody's head around so they were facing the right direction, which is par for the course in speaking about the kingdom because so many people's faces are facing in the wrong direction. (laughs) But uh, at least they were both born alive, and they are huge, gigantic lambs, and... uh, my granddaughter is tending to them, making sure that they keep breathing because they were so big that it was a little difficult for them to even start breathing. The sheep had been standing up all night long and most of the day I thought I was going to have to perform a cesarean on her and I didn't want to do that because although I've done that, I'm not an expert surgeon and I was needing to get a hold of more dissolvable sutures, <laughs> so, uh, which my daughter has. So, but the reality is is that you have to be prepared to do almost anything if you're uh, out where we're at and uh, do it for yourself and you need as much skill as possible. But I actually got in to do the show with almost two minutes to spare. But then the instrumentality of the radio station was having difficulty. They didn't connect me, then they did connect me, then they disconnected me, then now I've connected, and I think I'm connected. I see lots of callers in, and uh, so I think we're doing okay. Don't bother sending me a message. I'm not prepared to even get it, but, uh, oh, I see a couple callers left. I hope they didn't leave because I wasn't here quite recording the way we should be, but... uh, Anyway, this morning we talked about conscience, and uh, the fact is, is the word conscience shows up numerous times in the New Testament, but doesn't show up at all in the Old Testament. And we partially revealed this morning's recording that uh, there are other words and other idiomatic phrases that we find in the Hebrew that mean the same thing as what we call conscience. And in their study of conscience, we see that there is at least two different sources of that conscience. That conscience, uh, as we were saying this morning, just so that everybody is uh, kind of on the same page, <laughs> that this uh, conscience that we're, we're dealing with uh, is you know, defined as the word is read today. Of course, originally it was in Greek in the New Testament and Hebrew in the Old Testament. As a cognitive process, it's a mental process that elicits certain emotions and rational associations based on an individual's moral philosophy and value system. Well, of course, Christ came and was teaching a a moral philosophy he was quite the philosopher, and he was teaching us a moral philosophy of love thy neighbor, forgive thy enemy, even love thy enemy. This is all part of his moral philosophy. Forgive, that's part of his moral, uh, you know, philosophy. And the reason that that moral philosophy is a good idea is because 
It is built into creation. If you do not live in such a manner as to exercise that moral philosophy of Christ, you will go back into bondage. You will go under tyrants and tyranny. Uh, you will find yourself under tribute again. You will find yourself in the bondage of Egypt. You will find yourself being destroyed eventually because of the moral philosophy that you do have. Whatever that is. If it's contrary to Christ's moral philosophy, it's not going to be purdy. It's not going to work out for you. So that's it kind of fundamentally wrapped up those two hours trying to say the same thing over and over again. But you have to keep walking around the elephant in the room so that people have an opportunity to see it because they will immediately, any kind of moral philosophy that you try to suggest, they will rationalize, oh, no, no, it can't be that way because part of his moral Philosophy is that you don't covet your neighbor's goods. And you certainly don't do it through men who exercise authority one over the other. Specifically, the rulers of governments of the world. And, of course, of the world means of the constitutional orders and systems of government you create for yourselves. So, everybody has done that to some degree. Everybody's in one of those because there is no hardly wilderness to speak of. There are little pieces of land that doesn't fall under the New World Order. But there's almost nobody to live on it, and you probably couldn't survive on it even if you did. But there is a solution. Christ left a solution, but you can't find it unless you repent. Be willing to think differently. That's what repentance means. And actually actively seek that alternative government we call the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And you have to seek that kingdom and the righteousness of God, which would be the righteousness of Christ. Now, if you actually do those things, and, because he says this, Zephaniah said it, we've read it in the other prophets, gather together according to the precept upon precept of the kingdom of God, then something will kick in. Uh, There will be a pillar of fire between you, a pillar of light, a pillar of fire between you and all the forces of the Great Reset, (laughs) which is coming. And uh, there will also be a wind that parts the Red Sea. See your people. So I'm painting a picture of the idioms and giving you little hints as to what these idioms and metaphors and allegories are really all about. Parting that sea, and I've given the story during the riots in uh, uh, Fillmore District uh, on the day after Martin Luther King was shot. I, I tell a story of over 200 rioters and me, <laughs> the only white guy on the street. 200 rioters and me, and they parted like the Red Sea because it wasn't just me. The Holy Spirit was there. And it wasn't because I weren't the Holy Spirit or anything. God was just showing me how it works. And uh, and I this morning I talked to you a little bit about how you create your Zephaniah. You don't hide in the darkness of people going out and going to find a you know, log cabin in the woods and, you know, deep in the Missouri jungles and mountains and you're going to fill it full of bacon and beans and freeze-dried foods and that you're going to be safe. No, no, not not going to be safe either. Now, if God is leading you to do that, great. Because that, maybe that should be, but you'll you'll hear in your mind things like, I need to put a little extra up for all the other people I want to help. 
<laughs> so, because you're not thinking about saving yourself. If you're thinking about saving yourself, if that's your goal, we already know you don't know Christ. That, that you're not coming in the name of Christ because you're interested in saving yourself. You know, that, that's, that's why you're doing whatever you're doing. And if that's the case, then you're not coming in the name of Christ and you will not have the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the seas won't part and the uh, pillar of fire will not be there for you. And your Zephaniah will not keep you hidden. They will find you. They will, you know, I tell a story also about I was in a courtroom. Somebody, uh, uh, you know, they people used to ask me, they saw injustices in the courts. And because I wrote so much about law, they'd invite me to come. And I'd have to drive 200 mile round trip to be there. But because they called, I would answer their call. Because I knew it was important to hear the cries of others if I wanted God to hear my cries. I just I just understood deep down in my heart, that's the way it works. That's the gimmel, the cause and effect of the universe. If you, if you don't hear the cries of others, if you covet your neighbor's goods, you're going to be destroyed. You're going to have your goods taken away from you. I mean, that's just, it's built in, again. It's, you can't escape that. I mean, you can imagine you can escape that. You can pray to the gods that you create for yourselves and the leaders you elect for yourselves, but they will not save you because it's built in to creation. It's a part of the very fabric of this materialistic realm that came from the spirit because first there was spirit and then there was the realms. (laughs) The realms were created out of the spirit. And so you need to be awakened to the Spirit. You need to be born again of the Spirit. That's what born again means born again from above. And above means the original. And the original was Spirit. That's why when you read Romans 13, it says, Let every man remain subject to the higher liberty. The higher right to choose. The original right to choose. That's the word. It's not the higher government. It's the right to choose. It's uh, exousia. Excusia, whichever way you want to pronounce it. Uh, but exousia the, is your right to choose. And it is the strongest word in the uh, Greek language for liberty. It's even translated liberty in the same Bible. But somehow or other they want to translate it government in Romans 13. But if you will not let your neighbor have his right to choose, then you will lose your right to choose. Because you you're and if you if you want men to take away the right of your neighbor to choose, then guaranteed you will not you will lose your right to choose. If you say, Well I don't mind my neighbor's right to choose, but I don't want to do anything to help him, protect him, or provide for him or any of that stuff, then you can expect God not to do anything to help you, protect you, or provide for you. And so therefore you will not have the pillar of fire. You will not have the wind that parts the seas at your back. So, again, I'm speaking partly in metaphor. You can write your own scenario, produce your own movie (laughs) in your imagination to figure out what that means. But that's how it works. So the morals of an individual must be concerned with the judgment of right and wrong or human action and character because that's that's what morals are about. But if the morals of the individual do not match up with the morals of Jesus Christ, 
or the morals of Abraham. I mean, like, you want the better morals of Abraham. Abraham made lots of mistakes. David made lots of mistakes. Uh, even Moses. I mean, he just made one mistake. Boom, he can't come into the promised land. <laughs> so, but evidently, him and Jesus got along pretty good. Because we see him mentioned as this personification of Jesus, Elijah, and Moses. Uh, speaking to one another. Communicating with one another. Wouldn't you have liked to hear what they were saying? <laughs> Somewhere someone might have recorded what they were saying. I don't know. I haven't seen that. There's a lot of other uh, writings outside of what we have been given as scripture by Eusebius and passed down to us by the Church of Constantine. Because they were using hundreds of books at the in the early church in those first 150, 200, 300 years. And they were scripture because we know in the Bible it says all writings. We, we read it, all scriptures, but the word is just writings. Are, are there for our benefit. But of course, we can only understand what value they have if we are led by the Holy Spirit. You can read the Bible. If you're not inspired by the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to figure out what it is talking about. Because you'll be creating your conscious understanding of the Bible based on your knowledge of good and evil. Your ability to decide what is right and wrong. And we don't have that ability. We are naked of that ability. We, we, we were not given the power to decide what was good and what was evil. You decide this is good. You decide this is evil. Don't make it so. What the tree of life is to inspire you so that you know what is good and evil. And everything. And every little thing. So anyway, we talked about that this morning. Uh, I just did you a little refresher course and we just went over that. But this all has to do with your conscience. This idea of what is right and what is wrong. I have been going ever since. Uh, so I haven't fixed those uh, uh, links yet. At least I don't think I have. I might have fixed those links. Let's see where... If I refresh, can I do that? Yeah, I can do that. If I refresh the page, maybe I have fixed those links on the page, conscience at preparingyou.com. And I will be improving that page in the next week or so, but then I have to get on to get ready for the next shows uh, so that I can give you new revelations. Of course, I have to do a lot of praying and walking in the desert. Of course, when I walk in the desert, I irrigate and take care of animals and watch for wolves and predators which we talked about this morning, uh, the governments of the world have brought wolves into our community <laughs> to devour us and our sheep and our our poor calves. Uh, but uh, as soon as I heard about it, they turned around and left. Uh, they went up to another valley. But, oh yeah, I fixed at least one of those and I will fix the others links. So there is a link to a page called Tithing in Conscience, which is actually a chapter in the book the higher liberty uh and the chapters are real small it's a pretty small book and uh i wrote it in reference to romans 13 and of course i knew nobody would believe me so god gave me all kinds of uh quotes from the rest of the bible and 
and the meaning of words and and what have you. And of course, we put probably put a little bit in there that we got out of Thy Kingdom Come when we talk about the altars of clay and stone, and the the share that the uh, Levites get, uh, which is the kidney. And we talked about that this morning. What's the kidney? Why why do the Levites get the kidney? Well, actually, the Levites don't get the kidney. That's that's just pharisaical talk. That's nonsense. The Essenes would have told you that that's not what it means. And actually, what we told you this morning about the way in which, you know, I mean, Bible scholars today will tell you that the reference to kidney and reins being both the same words, actually has to do with your conscience. So what does that have to do with the tithing in conscience? Now, when you tithe, you give to your minister. And your minister is a minister of ten. He's not a minister of five thousand or anything like that. That's not the way. It's set up in ranks of tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. And the minister of fifty is not really the minister of fifty. He's the minister of five. And those five are, you know, he might even be the minister of ten. Because the idea is that you're creating a network so that you can have a daily ministration of charity. And you don't have to go to the daily ministration of the Pharaoh that ended up putting you into the bondage. You don't want to have to go to the daily ministration of Caesar or the Pharisees of Pharaoh or any of these guys. You you want a daily ministration based on charity. But your conscience has been seared over the last 100 years and you have become accustomed to living at the expense of others and, and uh, developed an appetite for benefits at the expense of others. This has degenerated your conscience. So now you think it's okay to get benefits at the expense of your neighbor. So you desire more and more benefits, stimulus checks, Social Security, free Medicare, Medicaid, uh, free health care, guaranteed income. You want guaranteed income. We have people out thinking that, that they have a right to that. That is because all the people that are Christians, their conscience is seared and they're not real Christians. Because if they had the light of understanding that Christ came to tell us about not coveting our neighbor's goods, the Jews as well. I'm not, I don't want to just pick on Christians. And the Muslims. Because the Muslims all recognize Abraham, Moses, and Jesus Christ as prophets. Well, they all said, don't covet your neighbor's goods. They all said that. But, I mean, today, I mean, Omar, whatever her name is, and all these guys, they, they went to great lengths to get benefits from men who exercised authority one over the other at the expense of their neighbor. They think that's actually okay. They think that's great. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez, she thinks that's great. We should do that. We should take away from those who have more than us and give to those who have less than us. She can say this while she's wearing a ten, twenty thousand, whatever it was, dress at a gala that she went to. And uh, all the help had to wear masks, but she didn't. <laughs> so, uh, what hypocrisy. But in this uh, this one page I put up, which is actually, like I said, it's a chapter from The Higher Liberty. And it's tithing in conscience. And I, I, I write in there, in the early centuries of the of the church, the people were dependent upon a network to, to sustain them. 
in hard times. Uh, the Roman and Judaic collapsed because Judea collapsed. I mean, for a while, the, the church, the apostles, the disciples of Christ who were appointed the kingdom, because see, Rome recognized Jesus was the king. Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is king. Official Roman document on ebony wood covered with white plaster nailed to the cross. It wasn't some broken board that you see on the crucifixes today. It was an official ruling of Pontius Pilate, who at that particular moment in time was the pro, not just the procurator of Judea, but literally the procurator of Rome. And we've explained all that in the past. And I, I know a lot of people will argue that, but I'm telling you, that's I'm saying that's the case. And, and we have some evidence to prove that, and you have no evidence to prove that's not true. <laughs> so, anyway, if that's the case, then still today, the Holy Roman Empire, which is part of the Great Reset, has to recognize the existence of the Kingdom of God. Now, they're not going to want to, uh, any more than the Pharaoh wanted to. When the Pharaoh said, okay, you guys can go. You can leave. You can take off. You're not under my protection anymore. And then he tried to pursue them and steal all their gold and kill all their people and their babies and their children and everything. I mean, th- this killing, this attempt to kill out massive amounts of the world population, it's already begun. They already have plans to do this. They're after Russia right now just because they're afraid that Russia might try to stop them when it comes to killing Russians because they're not going along with the Great Reset. But unless Putin repents and starts seeing the kingdom of God in his righteousness instead of just Russia for Russians, which is kind of his philosophy now. And it goes for the Trumpers too. You know, America for Americans. That's not good enough. The kingdom of God is for everyone who will repent and seek the righteousness of God. If you want to be an enemy of God, not, you're going to end up at the bottom of the Red Sea <laughs> with your uh, chariots encrusted in coral. <laughs> including, including I mentioned it briefly, those of you who are, are beginning to wake up or may start understanding, I'll, I'll drop these little hints. Including your quote-unquote uh, cutting edge technology. <laughs> that's uh, that's the way it translates when Putin says it. Uh, they think, they think the people that are giving them these cutting edge technologies or have them or just saying they're going to share with them if they just reduce the world's population, they're liars. They're liars. They're not. They want to see you all dead. They want to see you all destroyed. And, but that's another whole story. We'll stick to this tithing of conscience. Now, why is tithing of conscience instead of the forced contributions, the tribute of, of Caesar, the tribute of, of uh, Pharaoh, the tribute of FDR, because that's your Social Security payments are tribute. Your income tax are tribute. Your income tax is actually a use tax on your labor because you don't own your labor anymore because you signed up for Social Security and the when you did that, you waived your right to a portion of your labor. See, when you were in bondage in Egypt, you had a right to 80% of your labor. You had a right to 80% of your labor. 20%, one-fifth, went to the government. That was the bondage of Egypt. 
if you make lots of money today, you're not entitled to 80% of your labor. <laughs> you have to give it to Caesar because you're back in the bondage of Egypt. Even though Deuteronomy uh, 17 told you if you write a constitution, you got to put in there that, that your leaders can do nothing to return you to the bondage of Egypt. You didn't put that in your constitution. You didn't even know to put that in your constitution. You didn't put the other... Four items that you were supposed to put in your constitution. Basically, you didn't put them in there. One, you kind of did. But it's not well defined and nobody pays any attention to it. So, the reality is, is that you have brought this on yourselves because you were ignorant of the ways of righteousness. You lacked knowledge. I'm giving you that knowledge. But you can't do anything about it now. In a way. You can't. You you will not succeed if you try to turn this around. You can turn yourself around. You can turn your thinking around. You can think another way. You can walk another way. But God's going to be necessary. The powers of God, and they are around. Because everybody has not followed the way of the dragon. Everybody has not followed the way of Beelzebub. There are others out there, but they can't intervene. They can't interfere. Because you aren't seeking the kingdom of God in His righteousness. You've been following the wrong way. So you have to repent and start actually doing what Christ said. And then He'll run out and meet you. And that's what it's going to take. Now, I know I'm being a little cryptic, but that, that you're just going to have to ask the Holy Spirit, what is He talking about? But... The Holy Spirit probably won't tell you. What I am talking about is gathering together in righteousness. In the righteousness of God. According to the moral character of Christ. And following the doctrines of Jesus Christ. And he had doctrines. Not the doctrines of the modern church. The doctrines of Jesus Christ. And I I keep going back and repeating that because we're going to do some podcasts and shows on that. So that you kind of understand what it is that you're missing. So this tithing of the church or to the church in the wilderness was a matter of free will offerings. It wasn't forced offerings like they were doing under Herod and the Pharisees. And the tithing to the ministers of ten families was according to their service. That, and that's in parentheses there because that's actually a quote out of the Old Testament. You tithe to them according to their service. There's no automatic. There's no, no Levites kicking down your door because you didn't tithe to them. But the tithing was instead of taxation. There was no taxes. There was one little tiny tax in, in Israel which amounted to about a half a dime. Other than that, anybody could pay it for you. And if you were a decent sort of guy, everybody would pay it for you if you didn't have a half a dime. But other than that, one tax, and that's just kind of your ante. I'm in the game. There was no tax. Everything was operating by tithing, by free will offerings, by volunteerism. There was no conscripted army. There was no professional army. When... When uh, Saul forced a contribution of the people, forced the sacrifice of the people in order to fund his army against the Philistine, which was a good thing, you know. uh, 
Samuel said, you've done this foolish thing and your kingdom will not stand. You guys have been doing that for over 150 years. We didn't do that in the American Revolution. But you've done that since. And so, since you've been doing that, your kingdom will not stand. And, of course, you're also back in the bondage of Egypt and it's worse with you than it was then. So, if we keep reading, there was no king in Israel. There was no president in Israel. There was no... Prime Minister in Israel. There was a Sanhedrin, but it wasn't legislative. It did not create new law or new doctrines or new dogma. It didn't do that. It didn't have that kind of power. It didn't need that kind of power. The hand of law, the weightier matters of law, which is law, judgment, mercy, and faith, that was in the hands of the people. They had trial by a jury of their peers. And they had an appeals court which went up to men who made their living by being charitable and forgiving. This is how they, you know, they also work, but they, they, nobody tied to them if they were not charitable and forgiving. And that was your appeals court. So it wasn't like you just had a Supreme Court justice elected and uh, she's been overruled so many times, I can't even count how many times she's been overruled. She is so liberal, and she's getting the job because of racism. <laughs> so, And uh, several of your other Supreme Court justices, who are the guys who decide what is good and evil, which is really just an appeals court, uh, they're full of corruption. And they want to pad that with great numbers. All this stuff has been done over in the past when... The, the people become more and more corrupt, more and more weak, uh, create these systems of social welfare through forced contributions. Uh, the people just degenerate and the tyrants have their way. And that's where you're at already. So, but in Israel, originally, they were only, you only had to tithe to them according to their service. And you got to decide who to tithe to and how much to tithe to. Because the power of government was in your hands. Which is why the Wycliffe Bible says, this is the book for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. That's where Abe got it. There was no king in Israel, no prime minister, no president. Every man followed his own God-given conscience. As we have seen in Judea 7, uh, Judges, excuse me, Judges 17. So, Every man was king in his own family. Family, again, like I said this morning, was the corporate unit of God's creation. Uh, th- no more twain, one person. That's what a corporation is. Two or more people gather together for a particular purpose under a pre-existing authority. Well, a family should be two or more people, husband and wife, and their children. That would be more than two. Gather together under a pre-existing authority. What? God, not the church, not the state, but God. And we have articles on marriage. Normally, uh, on these pages, like at Preparing You, there will be links in all these uh, different uh, statements. When I say family, I could take you to a page that's on family that will also take you to a page on uh, legal marriages and what happens when you get a three-party marriage with the state. But all those links are there. You'll find some of them down below. But it's because I took this right out of the book at that time. Now, the book may have changed slightly. We've had several reprintings. And every time, you know, I go through and try to fix some of the errors. Fundamentally, it's the same. 
Every man was king in his own family. That's a free society. But you still need money to run the government. Uh, to have public services. To communicate. And people will have to take time out of their day to make sure that the daily administration is taken care of, make sure that everybody knows what's going on, if the Philistines are gathering an army, if the Russians have cutting-edge technology. You'll want to know about it. Of course, I'm not going to tell you what it is on the radio. (laughs) I won't even tell our ministers uh, really what that cutting-edge technology is. And I don't know 100% of what they've got. But I know that there is technology out there. And I know the U.S. is using some of that technology. I've seen it. Uh, and, and anybody who thinks that the government doesn't have secret technology that they're keeping from the public, they're just kidding themselves. Of course they have. They've always had. I mean, every time. I mean, how many people knew about the nuclear, uh, first nuclear bombs that dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh, before? I mean, Truman. When he became president, he didn't even know that they were working on that bomb. <laughs> so, so yeah, they got all kinds of secret technology they don't tell you about. But uh, they don't want you to have the ability to use that technology when they start the real final oppression of the Great Reset. Their, their vaccines are not working 100%. Uh, and, of course, when I say working, I don't really believe that they're there to keep you. That They don't keep you from getting COVID. They don't keep you from spreading COVID. As a matter of fact, in the last few weeks, I have received more stories of people I know. They're not in the network. But more people that I know that have been vaccinated that have died. They died from blood clots. They died from carbamide. Uh, uh, cardio mark, <laughs> my, I can't even say it, but uh, heart attacks basically. They didn't have a heart problem, but then all of a sudden they had a heart heart attack. Fully vaccinated, no connection, of course. But the numbers of people, I mean, just today I've heard of several new people that were, you know, in the 30s and 40s that have died suddenly from, you know, liver failure. Uh, now, some of these people had some problems. I, I know other people that are having, and the doctors can't figure out, why is she getting so sick? Well, she's fully vaccinated. Oh, that can't be it. That can't be <laughs> But anyway, I'm seeing it. That's not proof. Nobody should believe it because I'm saying it. But I'm noticing that I didn't hear about so many people I know dying of heart attacks and and uh, blood clots. I mean... I mean, this is like the day after they get the shot. They have so many blood clots, they can't get up out of bed. They have to be call an ambulance and be carried to the hospital through an ambulance in Gurney. And they're dead within 24 hours. And that's not just a coincidence. They were healthy before that. People have to... But just the same as they padded the numbers of the people who were dying at the beginning from COVID, which simply didn't was not happening and did not exist, and we, we've shown that, they're now padding the numbers or, or deleting the numbers so you don't know how many people are actually getting. Actuaries, insurance actuaries are seeing this, and they, you, you talk to people who are willing to speak up, they will tell you insurance companies are worried because way too many people are starting to die. 
and they don't know because it's going to be all kinds of causes liver uh, uh, you know heart uh, lungs all kinds of problems cancers will start coming up and there's doctors Dr. Cole is showing this uh, Dr. Suzuki said that this was likely to happen Dr. Luke Montagnier said this was likely to happen and so what do you do about it well there are things to do, and we'll, we could talk about that on the network, but the reality is, what are you going to do about the, all the stuff that's coming because you have rejected the ways of Christ? You said you were Christians, but you were actually workers of iniquity. What are you going to do about that? Because that's going to bring you a worse plague. So anyway, the, the nation was commanded to love their neighbor as themselves. Christ, you know, that's Moses. Christ said the same thing. John the Baptist said you take care of one another through charity. You don't take you don't use force. That was the crooks of what he was saying. <coughs> uh the the new churches failed to preach the kingdom uh and disregard Christ and the basic things of not coveting your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority. And uh those who take the tithe and send uh, the children of God to the Corbin of Rome, the Corbin of FDR, the Corbin of, you know, Australia, which is the social welfare system of Australia and the United States and Canada that can only provide to you by force or by borrowing against the future of your children. That's the only way that these systems will operate. If that's where, the only place you got to go, then you need to repent and start seeking the kingdom of God and gathering together in the righteousness of God. And those of you who are hearing now need to act now. Because your time is running out. Others will hear in the 11th hour, although I'm not sure that we're not in the 11th hour already. But you need to change your ways, your way of thinking. So the Corbin of Rome system, uh, to be bound under tribute, that's where you're, you are today, and as they once were in Egypt, uh, they betray their holy office. The, and those modern churches that send the people to Caesar and keep the tithing for themselves, sometimes living in million dollar mansions, but even some of the more humble ones who are nice guys, who are not preaching, the fact that we're not to be coveting our neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority. One of the fundamental directions of Christ in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they're saying you can love Jesus but not do what he says, which is contradicting, contradicting what uh, it says in John. Why do you say you love me if you will not keep my commandments and do what I say? And people are not doing it. And they have all kinds of preachers to help them justify that. So, anyway, I, I said that uh, there's all kinds of evidence, and we have this in all the books. I can't go through all of it on the program. But I, on this page concerning tithing and conscience, uh, which is the important thing about this, is that you start, when you give money to a minister to take care of the needy of society, your society, and even other society, because he's got to love your enemies, once you give him the power 
to distribute the funds that you give them. You don't give them the power to decide how much to give next time. You give them the, like you do with the world. You give him the power over whatever you give him. You give him a dollar, you, that's, he has power over that dollar. You give him a hundred dollars, he has power over that hundred dollars. You give him five hundred dollars, five thousand, fifty thousand dollars, he has power over that fifty thousand dollars. So you might want to start with fifty dollars and see how well he does. <laughs> so you don't start with the five thousand necessarily. And that's God just telling you, I mean, it's up to you. It's free will offering. And you start building that network of trust and finding out who you can trust. How can you look out amongst yourself and find men you trust unless you start trusting them and finding out if they're trustworthy? And so by their works, you can say, well, he did pretty good with the $50. Maybe I'll give him $500. But you give what you can afford because you're the government. You're you're going to allocate them money. You can't allocate them what you don't have. You can't do it by pledges. We've talked about that. How many places it talks about that in, in the Bible. You, you don't take a pledge. You only give what you actually have. You don't borrow against the future or you're not keeping the Sabbath. Because it's not about a day. It's about a way. And that way is that you pay as you go. So anyway, I said in, in about a AD 150, John Justin the Martyr, we call him Justin the Martyr, uh, wrote to imp- the Emperor Antonius Pius, who was the uh, mentor of uh, Marcus Aurelius. He was actually training up Marcus Aurelius when he was young. But uh, he was emperor for a period of time, and during that time, Justin wrote him an apology, and that apology is, you know, explaining to him how the kingdom of God works. Because, see, they were, they had another king. That was Jesus. They were doing contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Uh, Real Christians who had come out of the system, and everybody couldn't do this, but as time went on, they had more and more opportunities to do it. They certainly had the, all the people of Judea had the right to do it. They could come out of that system. There wasn't as much debt then. They were coming out before the dead. If you had started this way back before the 30s, that'd be great. And the truth is, some men did come out before the 30s. I'm not going to tell you who they are or where they are. And I don't even know who all of them are or where they all are at. But there are men who have never been in the systems of the world. And they're beginning to realize how much they knew by the Holy Spirit. But... We have to admit how much we didn't know, how we went wrong. And we have to be willing to admit it and see the error of our ways, which is the error of Balaam. But anyway, he was writing this apology to explain to Antonius Pius how the kingdom of God worked, which was this other king with another king who appointed apostles, who appointed the church, the called out, that's what church means, to be ministers to the people, but not like the governments of the world, but through charity. This is a huge distinction. Because they're not going to give away stuff that they took from you. They're not going to give away stuff they don't have yet. They're not going to borrow money. If your church is borrowing money against the future of somebody, you know that's not a Christian church. Oh, now I'll get all kinds of arguments on that, but um, that happens to be the case. So anyway... What did Justin write to Antonius Pius? He wrote, and this, of course, is a translation. And uh, 
wealthy among us help the needy. That's huge. The wealthy are not the enemy of the needy, and the needy do not see the wealthy as their enemy. They see the the wealthy as good guys who share their wealth with the needy. This makes them much more... And they're doing it by choice. They're not doing it because somebody taxed them. They're doing it by choice. This creates bonds of society, the social bonds of society that Malone was talking about that we need because we're sick. We've broken those social bonds. They who are well-to-do, anybody well-to-do, it doesn't have to be, you know, Jeff Bezos, anybody who's got a little extra. You know, he's got two coats. Everybody else got one. He's got two coats. Somebody in their group doesn't have any coat. Now, I was talking about somebody I knew for years and years and years. He's got a lot of things wrong, doesn't understand the kingdom. But I put up with him. I care about him. I even have a place for him in my heart and in the world. Not of the world. Because I saw him take off his coat and hand it to somebody else who had no coat. (laughs) One time! And I still hold that in my heart. I still see that event every time I see him. And that's the way the kingdom works. Uh, I'm not going to put up with his shenanigans, but I have an open heart to receive him if he will start to really see the kingdom. And uh, if he hears me talking now, it's because God put him in <laughs> the way of our, our our podcast. But anyway, here's Justin saying that this is how we do it. Now, we know how Rome was doing it. For, you know, they're, they're selling people into slavery. They're forcing the contributions of the people. They're canceling people who say things against their government and confiscating all their property. And they're, they're taxing. They had a property tax. They had, uh, they even had an income tax. They certainly had a Corbin tax, just like the Pharisees. And that's the way they do it. That's the way the United States does it. That's the way Australia does it. Now, that's going to have a repercussion. Uh, you're going to end up with inflation. You're going to end up, you know, like I said this morning, I mean, the United States invaded Grenada. The United States invaded, uh, oh, it was East Timor. I said Tonga this morning. East Timor. Uh, I knew there was something wrong with the Tonga, and I even said it at the time, but I, I didn't come up with East Timor. They didn't invade with... Uh, our troops, but they funded and armed other troops of the most human rights violator, the biggest human rights violator probably in the world at that time. We sent them armaments, but we didn't want to be seen sending them to the actual country. So we actually met their ships at sea, offloaded the armaments for this invasion of East Timor onto their ships and then those ships went with troops straight to East Timor and landed there and there were rape camps and murder and mayhem and that's all done away with and now East Timor that was operating in the black because it had so many natural resources Quickly, they created a Federal Reserve and now it's operating in the red and other people are gleaning all the profits from East Timor. And the East Timorians, they have a fairly modest lifestyle because you got to have workers from somewhere. 
but uh, they're not as wealthy as the men who took over their country thanks to U.S. tax dollars and military equipment. Same thing we talked about in Ukraine. Ukraine is the richest country, almost the richest country in Europe when it comes to natural resources. I mean, they're second in a few things and stuff like that. But for a country that size, uh, acre for acre, they're one of the richest countries in Europe. But their people are the poorest in Europe, even poorer than Italians. Wow. <laughs> because their average income is like $3,000 or $3,500 per individual. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden was making millions. Doing what? <laughs> so, anyway. No, I don't want to pick on poor Hunter Biden. He's just duped by his own family. And his family is so duped, it's ridiculous. Pelosi's family is doing the same thing. And a lot. Uh, you could go down a long list of politicians who have their kids over there raking out millions and millions of dollars and uh, they're there to, to put pressure on the Soviets. There's somebody else playing all the chess, chess players so don't kid yourself. But anyway he says uh, he goes on to say we want to get through this uh, collected uh, the money that is collected those funds that are collected by those who have Give it to somebody. Collected is deposited with, it says here, president. It's probably principas. The person they have picked to receive these contributions. Who suckers the orphans, the widows, and basically the needy of their society. Through those who are, through sickness or any other cause, are in want. Now, this society is based on people who are not seeking the idolatry of the welfare system of Rome. You know, that we talked about that this morning. Eating of things sacrificed to idol. That was things sacrificed to the temples of Rome. Those, those temples were the welfare system of Rome. The elementa came from those temples. Now, I mean, some of those temples were like the Temple of Moneta was coining money and stuff. But others, like the Temple of Saturn, was used. That's where you housed your birth certificate. So you knew your children were eligible for those benefits. Yeah, they had that system. And I I mentioned that this morning. But I will mention here, since Antonius Pius was the mentor to Marcus Aurelius. And Marcus Aurelius, with all his good rhetoric, he has lots of good ideas. I mean, he could run for office in the United States. I mean, he was all for social welfare. Uh, but also individual responsive. He'd probably be a Republican. But he had the worst human rights record of persecution of Christians at that time. Why was he persecuting Christians? What was the grounds of his persecution? Well, one of them, one of them, was they refused to get birth certificates. And he made it mandatory that everybody get birth certificates for their children. Everybody in the in the empire, get birth certificates for their children within 30 days. They had to have them registered. Christians wouldn't do that. They, the only reason you're registering is to get the benefits. And they didn't, they had another government. A government of the people, for the people, by the people that practiced pure religion. Not the public religion that Marcus Aurelius and Antonius Pisces was practicing. Because their religion required you to coveted your neighbor's goods. So they're taking care of people in bonds, uh, strangers, sojourning amongst us. 
And in a word, they take care of all who are in need. Not just their society. He goes on to say uh, more about this. You go read it yourself. I have it quoted there on the page as to what chapter that and verses that I'm taking this from. But um, uh, you can also read in the Dadachi, which is an early deal at that time. The Dadachi was well known. It's still, we still have, you know, we don't have every piece of it, but we have a great deal of it. And he says, therefore, elect for yourself bishops and deacons, deacons are ministers of tens, worthy of the Lord, men who are meek and not lovers of money. They're not doing this for the money. True and approved, for they also perform for you the ministry of the prophets. Not the ministry of prophet, but the ministry of the prophets <laughs> and, and teachers. And that's those who teach the way of God. See, most of your pastors, they're not teaching the way of God. They're not, they're saying it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods to the government. You just say these magic words and you're saved. And, and they, they want to disassociate them with anybody who doesn't say, but they themselves won't practice pure religion, which is doing all the things I just said, but unspotted by the world, and the word world there is constitutional order and system of government, which means those men who exercise authority, those benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. That's not where you should be getting your benefits. And because you have been, you are a scattered flock. You don't know how to come together. You don't know how to be there for one another. 1 Corinthians 10.21 You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. What's the table of devils? The men who fill their table with the spoils of your neighbor. They take a bite out of your neighbor so that they can give you free stuff. And that, of course, is where you're at. Now, we go on and talk about Corre Piscopus was an assistant to an overseer to keep the communion between the congregation effectual. And this actually existed also amongst the Levites, but these are the servants of the Levites. But the communion was your welfare. It wasn't a wafer, a crumb of bread. It was the welfare. They rightly divided actual bread from house to house. And if you go read the rest of Justin the Martyr, uh, we have a whole article on him. You will see that it was sacks of bread that was their communion. Because it had to sustain those people till next week. And he's explaining, we do this through charity. And that's why, you know, Hadrian and Trajan and stuff like that, they respected the Christians. They also feared them. Why did they fear them? Because of the, it tells you this in the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Because the union and discipline of the Christians, they created their tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. They showed up to care for one another. They were there for one another. You're not there. The truckers aren't there. I mean, there's a semblance of that. But 99% of the truckers' social security and welfare and their trucker community is taken care of by the men who exercise authority that they are protesting. They're going to need more. They're going to need a lot more. And we'll talk about a lot more 
when we return to Keys to the Keys. <laughs> Next time. But, uh, so we're out of time. But anyway, we gave it a little bit more shot, uh, on this subject. And hopefully we'll see you on the network. Go to preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org and join the network. Until then, peace on your house. And may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.